I'm Dr. Alex Lloyd and welcome to the Spiritual Laws of Nature. Today, uh, if this is the first time you've ever come, you really got lucky because today we're talking about the most popular subject there is. How to be truly happy or the secret to happiness or the secret to true happiness maybe I would say. But however you want to say that, we're talking about happiness and how to get it. Um, I watch, uh, I read a lot of scientific journals, scientific articles, uh, studies, research. I've always been fascinated with that stuff. Got to be careful though. Uh, very often you'll have two studies that kind of say opposite things about the same thing. So you can't go with them uh, totally. But anyway, uh, since as long as I started keeping up with it, which I guess was maybe in the 70s, because I was weird. I cared about stuff like this when I was like a teenager. But uh, the last 30, 40, 50 years, most of the polls that have been taken about what people want most in their life, it's happiness, okay? And, uh, and has been uh, for the foreseeable past. Uh, I guess that's not foreseeable, but in the past, okay. Um, and I think, what, what if, imagine this, what if uh, I had invented a pill that no matter who you are, no matter what your situation, you take this pill and it makes you happy. You think that would sell? Uh, I remember Dr. Ben Johnson saying many times that if you could put oxytocin in a pill, it would be the top-selling drug of all time and it would wipe out about half of all the other drugs because you wouldn't need them, okay? But you can't. It, ha it can't pass the blood-brain barrier. It has to be naturally produced in the brain. But just imagine that, a happy pill. Would you be taking them? If not... Why in the world not? Okay, I think most people in the world would be on the happy pill if that exists. Okay, they've come up with all kinds of pills, by the way, that take stress away, that take anxiety away. That uh, So you would think that some of those, that's probably what they were aiming for and maybe even thought they had achieved. We've achieved a happy pill. It takes someone's anxiety away or it takes someone's sadness away, or it takes someone's um, uh, depression away, or, it ta you know, and if you take that away, won't they be happy? But it seems that the more of these drugs we create and the longer time goes, we're becoming less and less happy. We live longer, although this last section is the first time in decades that the lifespan has gone down, but basically for the last 50 years, we're living longer. We're just sicker while we're alive and not terribly happy. I think the reason for this is that um, a lot of people have a wrong view of happiness. Okay, In other words, they have, they, they've got the definition of the word wrong. Okay, and if you've got the definition of the word wrong, whatever that is, uh, microphone, TV, you know, it, it's going to challenge the use of that. 
okay, whatever it is. And I believe we've fallen into that trap with happiness. Uh, most of my clients that I have seen over 30-something years, uh, I would say probably 80-90% of them are coming to see me because they are not happy. And if they became happy, they would say that that was successful counseling and therapy to them. Okay? Uh, I, think, I think if the average counseling patient went into counseling unhappy and came out happy, counseling would be the most popular thing on the planet. Everybody would be going. We'd be telling all our children, even if they're doing good, because that's the place where you change from unhappy to happy, so it makes sense you'd go from happy to happier or happiest, okay? But again, people go to counseling sometimes for years, and that typically does not happen. Again, I think we might have a wrong definition of happiness. Dr. Dan Gilbert a uh, professor at Harvard University. You see him pretty frequently now on major television commercials. Uh, a lot of fame, a lot of credibility. Um, wrote a best-selling book based on a study that they did on the campus at Harvard over years. The name of the book is Stumbling Into Happiness. And uh, the if you distill the entire study and book down to one phrase, because Dr. Gilbert did that himself, it's this. <clears throat> Expectations are happiness killers. Expectations are happiness killers. Why? Because the instant we have, this is what they found at Harvard, the instant we have a physical or circumstantial expectation that we're not in 100% control of, it spikes your stress. If you were already in stress, as most people are, it sends it off the charts. Okay? So, what does that have to do with happiness? Well, the thing that we typically do for in order to achieve happiness is we try to buy it in some way. We try to buy it by getting a degree and a good job. We try to buy it with a spouse. We try to buy it with television or movies. We try to buy it with vacations. We try to buy it with um, uh, all sorts of stuff. Okay, And most people go through their entire adult life trying to buy it in every conceivable way, hoping that one of those will be it, and I will be happy, and then I can relax. Okay? But the science says the instant you have a physical or external circumstance in the future, something you're hoping to achieve, accomplish, get in the future, it spikes your stress. Okay? And, and when your stress goes up, all of a sudden, instead of positive emotions and feelings, you automatically get negative ones. And as long as you're in stress, you can't turn that off. Your blood pressure goes up. Your IQ goes down. Your immune system is turned off or down. Your thoughts now go from positive or neutral or creative to negative. Okay? In other words, just about everything uh, the average person would identify 
as failure or unhappiness, that's what happens when you do what most people do to try to achieve happiness. So in other words, we've bought a lie and, and the lie we bought is that the way we're trying to achieve happiness virtually guarantees we'll never get it and really creates unhappiness. I did a, um, in, in 2007, 8, and 9, there was a crash based on the housing situation and the economy. And I had so many people coming to me um, out of concern, worry, panic about money. Okay? I, I would guess several hundred over that three year time period. And with each one of them, I would tell them this story and get their reaction. I said, okay, well, uh, do you have a roof over your head at night? Well, yeah. Um, do you have money to eat? Are you able to eat food every day? Well, yeah, of course. Do you have a car to get around in, even if it's not your really nice car that you used to have? Yeah. Uh, and I'd go on and on and on. You get the point of that. But then I would ask them, so, so basically the end of that actually was that nothing significant in their life had changed or was likely to change. Maybe a lifestyle change, but not what was really significant in their life. And then I would ask them this, what would happen in, in your mind and heart if you could pick up your life right now just pick it up, your house, your car, your kids, uh, your bank account, your job, everything, and transport it over to the poorest area of Ethiopia where people don't know where their next meal is coming from and that's about their only concern, okay? How do you think you would feel if you had your life in the middle of that uh, abject poverty place where no one else has even any food, would you feel the same way about your life that you do now? And every single one of them would say, no, no, I wouldn't. In fact, my thoughts would probably change from worried about um, not having enough to protecting what I have that is so much compared to these other people. Well, that's a totally different feeling. That's a totally different attitude. In other words, they're saying, yeah, and if I was in that context in my life, I would be happy with what I have now. Maybe even overjoyed, trying to protect it so I don't lose that. But being in the situation I'm in now, when really nothing significantly has actually changed at all, I'm unhappy and worried. Okay? So I believe happiness is an issue of the heart. And we better get it right, what that definition of happiness is, or as Dr. Lip, as Dr. Uh, Gilbert said, we're going to kill our happiness and be stressed and all the negative things, failure, uh, unhappiness. Okay? Um, 
We have a, a piece of our brain that is particularly part of this dilemma. It's a prefrontal cortex, and, and more specifically, it's all of the internal parts of the brain, including the prefrontal cortex, that make up your experience simulator, your imagination, the way you try something before you buy it, okay? Because before you do anything, you have a, a, a feeling come up, a thought come up, ah, um, I think I'm going to go get a pizza for supper. And as soon as I think about that, my mind and brain instantly go through thousands, maybe millions of memories about going out to get a pizza or going out to get something, uh, my ancestors going out to get something, whatever. My mind immediately goes through all of that and then gives me a picture of going to get my pizza right now. Okay? And, and so I look at that picture and then I have a feeling about it that's either, yeah, let's go get one or no, let's don't. Okay? So let's say it's, yeah, go get one. Alright? The problem with the experience simulator is that it lies all the time. Okay? Why does it lie? Because the latest research on our memories, uh, one of the best studies was from Scientific American, and they were saying what experts wish people knew about their memories. They're, actually, it'd be more accurate to call them illusions than memories because the best they can tell, about 50% of the information from our memories is in error. It's not true. Well, that's the data that all of my thinking, feeling, deciding what to do and not to do is based on. And you mean it's 50% wrong? So that's basically a coin flip? Whether I'm even getting the right information to make the decision or not? Yes, that's exactly what it means. Okay? So I picture going to the store to get my pizza, but what I tend to picture is everything going smoothly. Okay? And that feels good, all right? But let's say I go out, the car doesn't start, the traffic is heavy when it shouldn't be, it starts pouring rain, I can't get a parking place close to the store, they don't have the pizza that I wanted, I step in a big mud puddle and get drenched. What if that's what happens? Well, then I tend to become something in the anger family. Anger, irritation, frustration, resentment, bitterness, and a number of others, okay? And, and experiencing something in the anger family is evidence that I had a wrong goal or expectation. Alright, well what was the wrong expectation? It was that I was going to go get the pizza and pretty much everything was going to go fine. When I have no reliable information that that would happen instead of the scenario that did with the traffic rain, they don't have it, all of that. Okay? Alright? I hope that makes sense. Um, so what we envision, what we picture, what we assign as the definition of going to get pizza may, may make us unhappy because we had the wrong picture that we never should have had in the first place. It was an expectation picture which is just setting me up for stress and all the negative things and failure. Okay? <clears throat> um, 
as I've traveled around the world for about the last 15 years, teaching and lecturing, I've pretty consistently asked people in almost every audience this question. Have you ever had a time in your life where you thought that what was happening was really bad, maybe even one of the worst things that ever happened to you, but later, looking back, you now see as a good thing and are glad that it happened, that you ended up taking a different road or making a different choice or ending up in a different place than you would have if that had not happened that seemed really bad and terrible at the time. Okay? Unhappy. Well, to date, knock on wood, I've not had one person who didn't raise their hand. All ages, all ethnicities, all countries, we all have times that we think are bad that end up being good or that we think are good and end up being bad. Well, what does that mean? It means I really don't know what's best for me right now in the moment because I can't see the whole picture of my life and what might be coming in a negative way toward me or in a positive way. Okay? So I can't bank my happiness and decisions on something that I have no control over, don't even know what's best. Um, So, what would make something that seems bad at the time good later? Well, I think this is the secret to happiness. That true happiness is not the lottery or or um, yay my team won on Saturday or oh man I closed a big deal now yes those are happy thoughts and emotions but I don't believe that is true happiness because no matter how many of those things you ever have it does not ensure you being happy day in, day out, moment in, moment out. You still need those positive things to happen or you'll go from happy to unhappy. And I believe the true meaning of happiness is an internal kind of love, joy, peace, um, regardless of my circumstances and many times in spite of my circumstances. Okay? So, let me go one other place and then I'll close it up. All right? The key is pain. We grow up believing pain equals bad, pleasure equals good. And we're supposed to for the first few years of life. That's how we become programmed with don't put your hand on the stove, don't walk off the cliff, don't walk out into traffic, you know, Things like that, all right? But once we get to a certain age, we're supposed to change from pleasure equals good, pain equals bad, to pain or pleasure could be good or bad. So the real meaning is in internal love, joy, peace, regardless of circumstances, And one of the greatest 
love feelings you can ever have is going through pain with someone else. Um, I probably asked a couple of hundred uh, war veterans who actually saw action, and many of them wounded, if they would go back and do that again, uh, be in the war, be in the battle, be wounded, etc. And it's been an, and, and that's been amazing because they basically all answered the same way, and it was this: No, I would never choose to go back and be injured and and all that if that's all there was to it. And then they would usually ask me a question. You got to answer me this before I can answer the question. They would say. If I never went through it, does that mean that the people, the guys and ladies I went through that with would not be my friends now? Because if that's the case, I would never not go back. I would die before I would give up those people and those relationships in my life. You're aware of that, right? The uh, Guys who shared a foxhole together typically are closer than brothers the rest of their life. And when they speak of that person, they speak literally in a reverence type of way. Okay? So what these people have told me as I've asked them that question over the years is what creates happiness in them is not getting pleasure and a lack of pain, but sometimes it's much more pain in order to experience more internal love. In other words, if, 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 if the decision is less pain, less love, more pain, more love, what every one of them were saying is, I choose more pain. Because that pain literally brings me happiness. Pain brings them happiness. And I would agree with that a thousand percent and more. Pain is what allows us to walk and function the way we're supposed to as a person. You remember growing pains? Okay? Well, would you tell the kid, no, we're going to stop those and stop you growing? No, no, no. It's part of it. Before you ever take a step and walk, you fell 999 times. And sometimes, some of those times were painful. Well, would you go back and trade that to not be walking today? And everything is about love and relationship. And when you choose true love and relationship as your number one priority, you are also choosing pain because they go together. All right, let me read you, um, show you first, um, the greatest, most popular, most known treaties in the history of the world on happiness. It's the most quoted, the most read, all of that. All right. It was by Jesus in a speech he gave that many call the Sermon on the Mount. And they call his treatise on happiness um, 
the Beatitudes. All right, so let's take a look at the most popular everything else treatise on happiness ever written. Happy, okay, uh, it, depending on the translator, this is translated either blessed or happy. And they're kind of synonyms of each other. All right? And according to that language, let me read you this real quick. Um, according to that language, blessed or happy means this. Uh, happy, to be envied and spiritually prosperous with life, joy, and satisfaction regardless of outward conditions, with a happiness produced by the experience of God's favor, especially conditioned by His grace. And there's a couple of others here. Um, happy, blissome, joyous, prosperous, with life joy regardless of the situation. One of them says, um, let's see what this, uh, see if that's all of them. Happy, enviably poor, uh, fortunate, regardless of outward conditions. All right, and here's what he said. Happy are you when you're slandered. When people make fun of you, say negative things about you, say untrue things about you, you are happy when that happens. When you are attacked, <laughs> happy. If you are a peacemaker, as opposed to stirring things up, happy. Uh, poor, either in spirit or in earthly possessions, etc., if you are poor, you could be happy. I'll explain it. Try to explain it in a minute. If you are mourning, which means you're hurting right this second over some unfairness, some loss, something that's just eating you alive. If you are mourning, unhappy, grieving, in pain right now, you can, be, you can also be happy. Blessed are the happy are the meek and humble, as opposed to those who have an ego or uh, or also an inferiority. Okay, humble doesn't mean inferior. Humble, if you if you're feeling inferior all the time, that's not humility. That's a wrong view of yourself. Okay, humble means to believe the truth about me that I'm not better than anybody else, but I'm just as good as other people as well, all right? Um, blessed are when you hunger and thirst for what is right, meaning I'm not just going to accept what my parents told me. I'm not just going to accept what somebody like Alex tells me. I'm not going to accept, I, I mean, I'll, I'll get input from all over, but I'm going to search and find what is right and true, and try to live my life by that as best I can. All right? A lot of people, they just do whatever their parents say, or whatever their preacher says, or teacher, or spouse, or no, no, no. That is a, that is a recipe for being unhappy. All right? Blessed are the merciful, which means when you are wronged, 
Not maybe wronged, definitely wronged. When you are wronged, but your response to the person who wronged you is forgiveness, kindness, and mercy. You can be happy. Which means if you are not merciful, probably not happy. And the last one, pure in heart. And you know, everybody would say they, they probably want that, but I know of almost no one who has naturally prioritized that in their life. They prioritize how much money they make, where they live, uh, protection, physical protection, which is needed sometimes, um, fun, entertainment, that's what they prioritize, okay? Um, if you prioritize being pure and truthful and in love, joy, peace in your heart, then you can be happy. So, what I would say wrapping this up is that we have had the wrong definition. Our definition of happiness has been something I've got to go out there and achieve or get or do. In reality, happiness is living in love as best I can in the present moment, giving up the end results to God to love, because I'm not in control of those. That would be expectation and would spike my stress. Okay? So my focus is in the present moment, in love, as best I can. Now, I'm still going to school. I'm still working. I'm still doing everything else. Yes. But my priority has changed. My definition has changed. My goal has changed from a physical or external circumstance, which puts me into stress, to the inward state of love, joy, peace in the present moment and giving up the results, whether they're more painful or less painful, more pleasurable or less pleasurable. The key, this is what I'm saying today in a nutshell. The key to happiness is pain because the key to love is pain. Another study done at Harvard, and, and I'm closing up now, um, the, the longest study ever done in the history of the world on the human condition lasted 75 years on the campus at Harvard. I think it cost $20, $25 million to do. Uh, Dr. George Valiant at Harvard was the caretaker of it and wrote a book about it that was a bestseller and I'd highly advise you to get it. But he also distilled everything in the book and the 75-year study down to one phrase. Happiness equals love. Full stop. Typically, when you're going out trying to get things and arrange your physical and external circumstances for happiness, it's not for love. It's what's in it for me. Seek pleasure, avoid pain, what I call business deal love. It's a business deal. That's not love. So, you want to really be happy, embrace the pain, 
learn the lesson you need to learn from that pain to take you to the next higher place in your life and more and more happy internally, regardless of your circumstances. Unshakable. Awesome. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful, blessed day.